1: Welcome to the program, Warning, with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Today we are going to share a Sabbath service meeting that was recorded January 21, 2006. Dr. Hansen's associate pastor, Rev. Dr. E.J. Buckhart, shares the message. The title is, God Tests and Satan Attempts to Destroy. Now, let's begin.
2: Well, I'm excited to hear the Word of God today. Whenever Pastor EJ speaks, he, uh, whether it be in the pulpit or in the life group, I always appreciate him very much. And I know Pastor EJ doesn't like too much attention going his way, but one thing that has encouraged me in these last few weeks is when there's times that are difficult and there's a bit of a whirlwind experience and things are a bit tumultuous you always find comfort in people that are stable and people that are on the rock. And Pastor EJ, you're one of those people that I look to in those hard times because I know that um, his life is anchored, like we sang, on the rock and the Lord and on his word. And so he's one of those people that in those tough times I like to be close to because he's solid in the Lord. And uh, that's is a testament to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he's planted his life on the Lord. And so... Uh, I appreciate you, Pastor EJ, and uh, I'm glad that you have the opportunity to share today. And And Father, I just pray that you would anoint him and bless him and encourage him and strengthen him, Lord. I thank you for the, your pillar. I thank you for the rock of Jesus Christ. I thank you for who EJ is and what he means to us. He truly is the biblical example of an elder, and he is worthy of double honor because not only is he an elder, but he is worthy to preach the word of God. So bless your servant today. Bless each person as they receive the word that can save their soul. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor E.J.
1: Well, thank the Lord. The Lord has been very good to me and has blessed me, raised me in a good family, and uh, got me into a good ministry. And what more can one ask but to thank the Lord for what he's done. So when you do that and volunteer your time to work with a ministry, there are certain things that go with it that you did not want to do. But I do it with pleasure, and this is one of them. And I appreciate Ty. I love to hear him preach. But there is something you do when you give your life to the Lord. There are some things you've got to do that you may not like to do. But we have a Lord who will give us the words to say. So I appreciate that. Now, now, dearly father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity that we have here as a Christian family, Lord. This is a beautiful family, Lord. And I just pray now that you touch us with your word. And Lord, we pray for Pastor Hanson right now as he's with his brother Jim. Lord, touch him, give him the words to say to that family in that very difficult situation. is when you have a loved one whose life, the physical life is in a balance. Not his spiritual life, but his physical life. And Lord, we know that when one does leave this physical life and we don't have contact, it hurts and it's a loss because we have been given human love as well as spiritual love. And when you lose both of those or one of those, it hurts. So Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you may work a miracle, a healing in Jim's life and to restore him if it's your will, Lord. But Lord, let us also understand the tears of this life, which are only for this life. They're not for the future. And we need to remember that when times are tough. We are living in this life with its imperfections. But we're looking forward to another life that will have no imperfections. So Lord, be with us this day, I pray, and be with Him in Jesus' name. Amen. You probably may have wondered why we decided to show the PowerPoint. We want you to see, this is what we present around the world. Every pastor, every church we go to, we show this PowerPoint. I remember many times I kept saying, are we going to have to show it again? We're going to have to show it again. But you know what? This touches the lives of people and gets them excited about what we need to do for the Lord. This is the goal of WMI. You don't get to see very often. But this is what we do, and this is one of the reasons we're in this ministry. Now we also have... Christ Worship Center, which is also part of WMI, and WMI is part of Christ Worship Center. We will be working together to do what that is showing a pastor has already done, and we'll be doing this in the future. The other thing I'd like to take a look at, I handed out our brochure. You've all seen it. I don't know how many times you read it, but I pick it up every once in a while and read it. Because I think it's important right now, as we're going through some troubling times, is to know... What really is our mission? What is our goal? Remember when you gave your life to Christ, you did not give it to him for one week or a month or a year or two years. You gave it to the rest of your life on this earth. And so when we tie ourselves into a ministry, we need to follow the mission. And the mission is, is not just as when we see that it's doing what I want to do for me, but what we're doing for the Lord. So we need to know what the mission is, because this is what we're here for. Sister Terry, I love your word that you gave today. And this is one of the best worships I've ever had. I guess maybe it's a lot of times I'm sitting in the back and not down in front. But I knew the worship was good is when it touched Terry. And Sister Terry, you know, I stopped to think. One of the things that we're going through right now is the trinity of the flesh, me, myself, and I. And I tell you what, those are three very important people, and don't... And, and don't deny that. I am important, me, myself, and I. But I have to be careful sometimes because we're, as Christians, we've got to belong in the Trinity, which is a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So many times we get in the flesh, me, myself, and I, and if it doesn't go my way, I get upset. Poor Jesus had to deal with this with his 12 disciples. But you know what? This is a worldly thing, and it's not bad. As in my message, we'll get into that. There are some things that we deal with right now in this life that are very important. But we will not have to deal with them in heaven. They will not be part. There's two trees that were in the Garden of Eden. Two trees. One was good and evil. And the other was the tree of life. Believe it or not, the tree of good and evil will not be in heaven. There will not be good and evil. It will only be the glory of God. But in this earth, we deal with the good and the evil. And the goal is, is that everyone we know, everyone we associate with, will be able to share in that, in that glory. And so when we have to struggle in this life, it's for the glory of God. It's not for ourselves. But if you look at that up, it says the mission, of World Ministries International, to faithfully prophesy to the nations of the world, proclaiming the kingdom of God, giving warning to the political and church leaders, the church, the society of God's coming judgment, we are sounding the alarm for the nations to repent of sins and draw near to Jesus Christ. The purpose is to give a specific word of God to over 88 nations now, reaching every person in those countries through revival meetings, crusades, and various forms of media. That is what we want to do, and that's going to take beyond what we're capable of doing because it takes a lot of finances. But that's what we want to do is be able to reach every person and every nation. That is a goal that is totally impossible in man's eyes. But you know, if you looked at these pictures and you stopped to think how far Pastor Hans and his family have already been in many nations, and if you go with them in those nations, you'll see the value that this purpose and this mission has had to many, many lives around the world. And to be part of them is awesome. It is an awesome thing. It's also to strengthen and unite followers of Jesus Christ into an army to do battle against Satan and the Antichrist spirit. And we are in a battle against powers and principalities, and don't forget that. How many of you came today with a weapon in your pocket? Anybody bring a six-shooter? Hey, there we go, right back there, the sword of the Spirit. You should come every time with a weapon. Remember Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. A lot of us like to live say, I just want to have peace and love and everything be perfect. But Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring the sword. It's because of the sword he can cut through the devices of the enemy. Not the devices of human beings, but the devices of the enemy. And if you are in the battle, I will guarantee you, as Dr. Mike read last Sabbath an article, I'm going to reread it, from David Wilkerson, that those who are in the battle are coming under attack of the enemy like they have never been under attack before. Don't let that scare you. It means you're in the right place at the right time. And we will be victorious. If you read the last book of the Bible, you know, we are victorious. But if we get sit back and relax in the victory and don't continue in the battle, the enemy will grab you with his fiery darts and pull you out. He does not play fair. Okay, the vision is to reach 100% of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to change the destiny of nations through the reconciliation with god to bring truth and restoration to the body of christ and to set people free and that also includes the united states and it includes christ worship center that includes you and i that's our vision to bring truth and restoration that is our goal now ty forgot his notes the other time so my wife who's really good made me make two copies just in case I lost one. <laughs> uh, no, no, I have them both up here. How many of you received David Wilkerson's letters? Okay. I've had the personal privilege of meeting him three times in his church, and that's a very hard thing to do, but I had an insight. I'm a pilot, or I was a pilot, and he hates to fly. He's scared of flying. So all I have to do is tell a guy at the church, the pilot's out there, he's visiting his church, and would like to speak with him. And uh, he said, well, you know, he really can't come out. And I said, just tell him that. And he'd always come out and and visit with me, and we'd talk. So I've always been as doers, and I like it because I told him, I said, there's two men that I know that are men of God. One's on the East Coast, and one's on the West Coast. Both of them are hearing from the same Holy Spirit, and so therefore the message is the same. Because I can read this letter and say that Pastor Hansen wrote it. I can read Pastor Hansen's message. I can say he wrote it. But both men are different, and they write in different ways. But the message is the same. And this one just came uh, last week, as Dr. Mike said. Nearly everyone I know is going through what they say is the greatest time of testing in their lifetime. Now remember, he's writing now to Christian believers who are on fire for the Lord. They are going through... The greatest time of testing in their life. But she said also that there are many kinds these problems have existed for years family stress, difficult, troubled marriages, family problems. And he goes back 200 years and says, it hasn't changed, but he says there is something different that's happening today. There is something that's even deeper and more sinister than all of those frightening happenings. And he was talking about the depression of 1930s, talking about the virus, the epidemic that came through in 1918 and killed millions of people, even here in America. But he says there's something even deeper and more sinister, and this is it. The body of Christ, consisting of his devoted disciples of Jesus, is under attack from the principalities, And the powers of hell. An angry devil who knows his time is short has waged all out war against the righteous. That's why we need to have the sword of the Spirit. We need the Bible. And we need to base everything we do on Scripture. Because if we don't, the devil will overcome us. The angry devil knows that his time is short and has waged all out war against the righteous. He doesn't have to do it against the unrighteous because he already has them in the palm of their hand. Satan has seen the handwriting in the wall and is dispatching his army against Christ's most devoted children. I can remember sitting in churches and I was a good church member. I was a good pew. I sat in my pew. And there's another word for pew if you know what I mean. And many times I'd go to church on Sunday, but I was a good Christian. I also went Sunday night. And I was even better than most of them. I went on Wednesday night. But you know, a 1,000 people show up on Sunday morning. 250 people show up Sunday night. 30 people show up on Wednesday. Where is your dedication to the Lord? Sometimes we complain that we're spending two, three, or four nights doing the ministry. But you know, Pastor Hansen's right. If you're really in the ministry, it's a full-time job. Yes, we have other jobs that we do to provide finances, For our family, that's great, and that's good. But there's also the other time that we really need to spend serving the Lord. But those who are really serving the Lord are the ones that are really coming under attack. Satan is infusing your thoughts with fears, discouragement, temptations, depressions. He's after your faith, wanting to discourage you so that you will quit the fight. Make no mistake about it. The war is in your mind everyone knows here the situation and the powers and principalities are trying to rake hovack in this ministry i have no doubt about it but i have no fear that there's going to be victory in this and we have men and women of god who god has called and that enemy is trying to take them out don't get me wrong he's trying to take them out and he'll try to take you out and he'll try to take me out. And he will use the closest ones to you to do it. I can remember, I've been with Pastor Hanson in this ministry for nine years or so, and I have seen how the enemy is even trying to split my marriage from time to time. I've seen him try to take that thing that's closest to you and pull you out. I've seen him try to take Pastor Hanson and and put thoughts in my mind. You know, this guy... You know, he's all ego. It's me, me, me. Look what I've done. I've seen a lot of things take place. That, you know, he's trying to control me. He's trying to manipulate. He's trying to make me do everything he wants to do to get his goal and his gains. Well, you know what? His goal and gains is what Jesus Christ wants us to do. But the enemy was trying to put that other spark in it, that it was his and not God's. And so I had to stop him back and says now... When my wife and I chose to come with this ministry, when God called us to this ministry, it was not for a season. I was called to this ministry till the day I die. I have no doubt about that. Because when I gave my life to the Lord, he called me till the day I die. And the ministry is how we get the word out. It's pretty hard to do it all by yourself. So I have seen in my own personal life how the enemy has tried to take something away from me so that I will give up the battle. I mean, there's how many times would I like to say, you know, I want to go back to the cockpit, and I say this to Pastor Hanson all the time, I want to go back to the cockpit, close that door, and things are easy. It's all mechanical. I mean, mechanical problems, when you land on the ground, you tell a mechanic, come and fix it. It's so much easier in dealing with people than it is working with mechanical things. And when when I called to come to this ministry, I did not come here to travel the nations. God called me to come here and support Pastor Hansen. Okay, I thought that'd be kinda nice. I can take care of my property, I can take care of his problems around the house, you know, I can do all these sort of things, and I can travel with him too, you know, but I'm not gonna have to get up and speak. And he never asked me to get up and speak. But you know what? When I was down in Jamaica, they forced me to get up and speak. I mean, Christians say, hey, if this is the man of God, I want to hear what he's got to say. So you get up and you speak. God tests his people. But there's two parts of this. God will test you to make sure you're faithful. The enemy will try to deceive you and take you out of the battle. Okay? So you have to keep both things in mind. God is testing to see that we will be faithful to him at all costs. At all costs, the enemy is going to try to take you out so that you won't be against him. And these two work together. But remember, greater is he that's in you, that's in the world. And that's why I can stand strong because I know that God is more faithful than the enemy. I know there's going to be victory. Will I have pains in this life? Will I have hurts in this life? There's never anything in Scripture that says, when you give your life to the Lord, it's all going to be glorious. No more sickness, no more illness, no more hurts, no more pains. He just said, I'll be with you through your troubles. I will be with you in persecution. And he said, even if you follow me, you'll be persecuted. Now, most persecution does not come from the world. Most of our persecution will come from those within the church because the enemy already has the world in his hands he doesn't need them he wants you to be taken out of the battle remember that he wants you to be taken out of the battle so when you in your prayers and times you ask yourself lord is the enemy trying to take me out of the battle if he is i do not want to be taken out of the battle give me the strength to see myself through if we go to proverbs 11 13 if you have your Bibles, you can open up because it takes me a little bit longer sometimes to find it. And that way you can find it too. Proverbs eleven, thirteen, and 14. The talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And a little note on the side of my Bible says, no gossip. You know, there are secrets that are not supposed to be revealed. If I were to come to, say, George, and I have a problem with George, that's between George and I. We work it out. Okay, I'm not going to reveal that to anybody else. It's none of their business. Because what happens if I perceive that whole thing wrong? What if I perceive the relationship that he said something he really didn't say? And now I've blabbed it all over. Now, that's what he talks about revealing secrets. You don't do that because then you destroy the relationship. And there's nothing in this life, I believe, that cannot be worked out. But it takes more than love. It takes time. It takes concern. It takes faithfulness. And it takes trust that God will restore relationships. But the only problem we've got with this, we are not puppets God doesn't have us on a string. That's what hurts us the most. That's what hurts us the most, is God does not have us on strings. We have a free will, but we also have the power of the Holy Spirit to work through that. If you go also to Proverbs 2019, he that goeth about as a talebearer that someone's telling stories revealed secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. I think it's very self-explanatory that we do not tell secrets. We do not go to others. We go to individuals. Matthew 18 states that. You know, you go to the individual. But if that doesn't work, you go to the elders, and then you go to the church. And there comes a time in biblical, and we want to be biblical, that there comes a time that it says, meddle not with them. Now, understand me. This does not mean you don't have any more prayer for them. The goal is, is total restoration. And let me tell you from the bottom of my heart, we have to follow Scripture. Who do we follow? Our flesh? Or do we follow Scripture? We have to follow Scripture. And we have to follow leadership. And that's what I'm coming up to here. We must remain in his word. We must overcome human love. And sometimes we confuse human love with spiritual love. We can't distinguish between the two. And spiritual love is where we're concerned that each and every one of us will come to be able true servants of the Lord. And to be able to work together to accomplish this purpose in ministry. We have all been called to this ministry. I don't know anyone here that has says they have not been called to this ministry. Otherwise, you would not be here. You did not come to this church just to come to church. You came here because you're called to the ministry. We must follow God's chosen leadership. And who is God's chosen leadership? First of all, it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is what's explained to us in the Word. So we must follow chosen leadership and how they set up the policy. As a pilot... We have what we call standard operating procedures. I'm sure in a dental office you got certain, we could call them standard operating procedures. Because I'm not, you can get into disease and stuff and not sterilize and everybody's occupied and say We have what we call standard operating procedures because each time I got in a cockpit, I worked with two different people. If they didn't know the procedure and we didn't work together, it would be chaotic. But every now and then we have new management would come in. New procedures were changed. Well, after a while, most of us got to the point to where we'd say, I'd, I'd say to my, I was guilty of this. I, I was totally guilty of it. i says, eh, I'll do it the old way. I mean, that's good. Well, when you do that, a problem happens. You get the two other guys who say, they're going to go by it, and you're going by the other way, and no one knows what the other one's doing. And he creates chaos in the cockpit. And so then he sat back, and I finally sat back. And later on, I got to be about 50 years old. You start to learn a few more things at 50. And he says, uh, you know, really is there anything about this new procedure that's going to create a hazard of safety to the flight? Well, no. It was just a different way of doing it. So if it wasn't going to create a hazard to the flight, why not just do it and work in harmony? And so finally I got to the point and said, that's it. When they changed it, I accepted it. I worked with it. And you know what? Those last years of my flying were real easy in the cockpit because everyone was in the same order on the same vision following the same procedures and the only time it was a problem was someone would come in and they didn't want to go by the standing operating procedures so you kind of have to go and put your arm around them and say hey you know when you get a little bit older i hate to do that but when you get a little bit older you'll understand that you know this is really isn't a safety issue but it'll make things work a lot smoother and so god has set people in control number one our chosen leader is Jesus Christ, and He set it up in here. We follow His procedures. And you'll find out when you do it, things will go smooth because you'll have the power of the Holy Spirit behind you to work things out. The other one is God has anointed certain people. You look at Matthew 10. You flip over to Matthew ten thirty-four. I think now they come to set peace on earth, but I come to send a peace and sword. Let's go to 1 Samuel 26. Okay, 1 Samuel 26. And we're discussing about God's anointed people. First Samuel 26, 9 through 11. And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not. Now they're talking about Saul. Okay? Now Saul was anointed king, chosen man of God, who actually got into the flesh, if we want to put it simply. And a lot of people say, Well, he got in the flesh, so he's no longer anointed. But David said, Destroy him not, for who could stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed, and be guiltless? And David said furthermore, As the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, the Lord shall smite him, and on his day shall come to die, and he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray, Take thou now thy spirit that is in thy bolster, and the curse of water and let us go if you go to second samuel 1 14 just a few pages over and this is when one of the Amalekite's son had actually taken the sword and killed saul he said how was thou was afraid to stretch forth the hand to destroy the anointed god has chosen the church to be the method to get his message out God then calls chosen leaders to work in that ministry. Now, Pastor Hansen is anointed man of God, not because I said it and not because he's our pastor. But if you go through and look where he's been and what he's done, you will see that he is anointed man of God. Now, it's very dangerous to go against an anointed person. It's very dangerous. It's in the world, it's a little bit different. If you work in a corporation, it's a little bit different. Even though my brother was a top executive of Sears of Roebuck, number two man, I was in his office and uh, he said we could sit there and visit and chat, but when the boss called, he had to leave immediately, which is exactly what happened. But my brother could make decisions. He'd call in the elders or counselors, his vice presidents. He'd call them in. They would sit there and hash over a situation. But the decision came down to my brother. And he said, if I made the wrong decision, I could immediately lay off 14,000 people. Immediately, if he made the wrong decision. But the decision was his. And once he made that decision, all of his vice presidents that were with him accepted that decision. This is the way we're going to do it. And they worked in unity. Now, my brother was still responsible to the chairman of the board. Okay? He was responsible to the chairman of the board. So as a ministry, we need to be responsible to the man who God has called us to be responsible to. And if we work together, if we work together, it will be a great blessing and ministry. And we want to get back right now to that unity. And we will. As Pastor Ty made a comment about me, and I hope it's really true. And But I... I'm not sad about what's taking place in terms of the future because I'm looking to a prophecy that was given to us that those who come against us will come back with us and be our bread and butter. Okay? Okay? Hey, we're not giving up this battle at World Ministries International. We're going forth, and we will go forth in victory, and we will stand on the promises of God, and we will look to God as our leader, We'll look to pastor as a leader of this ministry and as a prophet. And I'm not going to touch that prophet because I like the prophet's reward. And I'm not going to let my flesh get in the way. Even though, like I said before, me, myself, and I, I like me, myself, and I. And, uh, but really, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Leadership is responsible to God. But if you look at Aaron and the golden calf... You see what happened. If you look at Miriam and went against Moses, as Aaron went against Moses, Koran, you know these stories, went against Moses. You know the danger of that is quite serious. I mean, Miriam became leopardus and Koran died. So it's very dangerous. You know, we say, well, Moses was a different leader of God. No. Our leader is in the same category as that because he's the one that God has called to lead this ministry in this church and so we need to be careful of coming against our leaders just because I don't like the way things are being done and I told you before that Karen and I we got called to this ministry we had my retirement home Uh, I knew when I retired from the airlines that I'd be well set and everything would be hunky-dory and I could have weddings at my place. I could have anniversaries at my home. And Karen was a beautiful landscaper. We had it all set out. All of a sudden, here I am, buying a piece of property in Stanwood, Washington, with two houses on there that needed to be remodeled. And uh, here's where we moved. And we had no problems. Why? Because the Lord had changed our hearts along the way. It was a very easy decision, especially for my wife. It was a very easy decision for her to make the move up here, which is very Amazing. In other words, when the Lord gets a hold of you and wants you to do something, it's an easy decision to make. But you know what? You don't have to do it. I could have said no. I could have stayed back there. I would probably still be a very, very good Christian, very good, strong member of the church, because that's my love. I gave my life to the Lord. But I cannot change these last few years that I've had in this ministry for that. It has been actually beautiful, my wife's relationship and my relationship is probably much better. It's never been bad in the first place, but, I mean, it's growing. So it's been wonderful. But that's because you look up to your leadership and you work with your leadership. And remember, that leadership is responsible to God. God's the one that brings the judgments, not us. God is the one that brings a judgment. We don't do that. But we also follow Scripture. And sometimes we have to do the things we do because Scripture calls us to do it. Now, the message I was going to speak, which I'm going to talk about a little bit here in just for a few minutes, is a balancing of Scriptures. But this situation is so much on my heart, and my wife's not here, but my wife has been really struggling physically. It's actually, she went to see Dr. Ty the other day. So don't get me wrong, this thing is serious, and it's hurting us. And one thing you remember... The most dangerous thing in Scripture is Proverbs, where it says, causing dissension among the brethren. This is the last thing that Jesus said, the most seventh abominable sin is, is causing dissension among brethren. So now our goal is to overcome that and have the victory. We've got the dissension going. That's okay. I mean, it's there. That's part of the world. But now it is is to restore that. And we need to do it scripturally. And you need to trust your leadership, which I'm part of, and we have made decisions scripturally, and we will live by those, we'll stand by those, because it's the only way to restore. You don't restore things by human love, you don't restore things by the flesh. So we're doing it scripturally, and if any of you want to know, speak about that, I'll be glad to speak with you about that, but trust me, we are doing it scripturally. And that's the only way to bring restitution. Our goal is restitution. And we're going to see this church grow. Remember I talked about good and evil and the two trees. I got some interesting things I I like to speak to you about. If you open up Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden and put the man whom he had formed there. Remember Adam, and this is just a sideline. You know, we have an abortion issue, which is murder. And you show that one thing we're coming against. And uh, there was a case where a man said that life begins when you get your first breath as you come out of the womb. So therefore, anything prior to that is not killing. And they took it out. But understand that Adam was not born in the womb. Adam was not born in the womb. He was formed as we best know it, full-grown, and God breathed life into him. But from that point on, everything's been by conception. But they take that out of the Old Testament, when God breathed life into Adam, that that's when life starts. And scripturally, they try to use that to back up all of the beliefs that abortion is okay because life doesn't begin until you take the first breath. But scripture, if you read it, and you know it, it always talks about conception. I knew you before you were born. I knew you before then. I knew you while you were in the womb. Blah, blah, blah. It goes over and over and over. So this will help answer your question on abortion. Don't use that one phrase that says, because God breathed breath in the life of Adam. Adam was not the normal way a child was born. So I think it cuts a lot of holes into that theory. Okay, there's a tree of life in the midst of the garden and a tree of good and evil. Good and evil are only temporary. Is there going to be good and evil in heaven? There's going to be the glory of God. Good and evil are temporary things that we deal with. This is one of the trees. It was a good tree. It wasn't a bad tree. And then you have the tree of life. The tree of life is eternal. Because life will be eternal in heaven. There will no longer be good and evil, but only the glory of God. And why do I bring this up? Because right now, we have to understand In this present life that we're living in, we have battles because we're dealing with good and evil. If Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, they would not have known good and evil. It wasn't until they participated in the tree that they knew of good and evil. They were living in the glory of God. That will be returned in Revelation. The tree of life has been removed from the garden. They've been removed out of the garden. The tree of life comes back. We will then have the tree of life, which will be the glory of God. We no longer have to deal with good and evil. Love and mercy and grace. Will there be mercy and grace in heaven? ever stop and think about that? We make a lot of mercy and grace. We also talk a lot about love. God is love. That's his character. So we know love is going to be in heaven. What about mercy and grace? How many want to vote for mercy and grace in heaven? Why do you want mercy and grace in heaven if you live in the glory of God? Why do you need mercy? Why do you need grace? He's love. But the reason we have mercy and grace now is because we sin. Will there be sin in heaven? So we don't need to receive God's mercy and grace because we will be sanctified totally. Just a thought. Just a thought. So we'll have love. Just a thought. When I was studying this, it came up. I said, you know, the love is, is important because the mercy and grace, Right now, we need God's mercy and grace because we sin. Each and every one of us has faults. And I'm not going to tell you my faults. But I know I struggle with them daily. Okay? But in heaven, I won't have those struggles. So I won't need God's mercy and grace. But I'll have the glory of God. I just thought it was kind of an interesting thought. He's going to light heavens with his glory. There will not be the need for moons and stars and suns. They may be out there, but in, in heaven, in Jerusalem, New Jerusalem... We don't need that because we'll be in his glory. Along with mercy and grace is another word called judgment. I also believe judgment is strictly a worldly thing because of sin and evil. Why will we need to have judgment when we're in heaven, when we're all glorified, perfect bodies, perfect life, living with Christ in true love and with our fellow people at all times? There won't be any judgment. Judgment is a worldly thing. Judgment will end. And that's why God loves judgment. And I'm jumping around here. God loves judgment because judgment is the last thing that happens prior to His glory fully being given to us. So we do judge in this life. That is part of our world is judgment. And so we need to judge righteously and we need to judge according to Scripture. But once again, just remember that I believe that in the next life there will not be judgment. So right now, we still have to do that. And like mercy and grace will be perfected. Let me put it that way. It will be perfected. So, you know, it's just the love that comes there. Promises and conditions. You know, we all live on the promises of God. And, you know, if you do this, then this happens. And by the way, I think it's hard-pressed to find in Scripture where God makes a promise without expecting obedience or a condition. Now, I can challenge any of you, if you like to, you know, come and show me. There may be, because a promise doesn't necessarily. But most of the promises that I've ever read about have a condition with it. And usually the condition is obedience. If you are obedient, this will happen. And I believe I got a Solomon's book, this one that we had called The Rejection Syndrome and Way of Acceptance, the last class. He puts it in here very well on page 70. This is just a quick review, so at least I, say I, I said something in my message, right? When the nation of Israel moved across Jordan into Canaan, God promised them victory. Has God promised you and I victory? Okay. As long as they continued in trust and obedience. Will you have the victory? Not necessarily. Only for those who are faithful, that trust and obedience. There's one in Scripture that says that you are called and chosen. I like the one in Revelation for the saints that were martyred because he said those who are called, chosen, and faithful. Okay? I mean, and not necessarily a condition, I don't think, but it's and faithful. As long as they continued in trust and obedience, but this promise of God did not mean the Israelites would always obey him and find victory. In the same way, we may not always be victorious. All of the ingredients for life and continuous victory are available to us, but so is the sin that dwells within us to deceive and distract us. We have powers and principalities that are still at work in this life, and they're getting stronger and stronger. As I read from David an article, and I agree with it 100%, and I think you people here can see it happening. This is what we're fighting. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're not fighting our friends. We are fighting a principality that's trying to destroy a faithful ministry. And he will use that enemy is such a deceiver. And he will use anything. Though the old man, the spiritual nature which inherited from Adam, is crucified, and we reckon ourselves dead to sin, and as we hear at Pastor Ty mentioned too about placing ourselves up on that altar and crucifying our flesh, it is still possible for us to walk in sin. When we return to self-effort, and there is the key, me, myself, and I, my fleshly trinity, we revert to the tracks of our own making and seek again to establish righteousness on our own rather than submit it to the self-surrender claim of power and righteousness of God. And here's another interesting comment I made, the victory, when we do have victory, we may be so sweet that he tends to stand and reveal a revel in the victory that we've accomplished rather than walking in the Spirit. When we travel with pastor, we always get into the situation where we've had some great victories in ministry around the world, and I fell prey to it too because all of a sudden I started complaining to pastor. I says, why is this guy taking us over here? We're tired. We want to go home. And he's headed out to this place. Why? Why? And Pastor kind of put his hand on my shoulder and says, E.J., don't let the enemy destroy the victory. And that's what's happening. And by golly, when it all is over with, it's exactly what it was. The enemy was trying to take dissension among us as a team on the last day to try to blow up everything, that all the victories we had. So you can't just walk in a victory. You've got to also be walking in the Spirit at all times. There's a war going on. There's a war going on in this life. And there's two people against each other, Jesus and the Antichrist, Satan and Jesus. We know who the victory is. We know how we can have the victory. But that war is going on. And that's why God has to love judgment. We have purchased, to give the people who send a $25 donation to the ministry for enlisting a television program, the book, The Marketing of Evil. Have any of you read that? It's really... An excellent book explaining why are we in America, why are we at where we're at? Why are we seeing the homosexual agenda becoming so powerful? Why are we seeing Christianity being destroyed? I just want to read something. We're involved in evangelism. The War on Christianity. This is written by uh, Janet Folger. And she really talks about the war that's being waged on Christianity. Today we're sitting here in total freedom. Okay, You can come in, you can walk out. nobody's going to come to the door and put a gun to your head. Do you want to worship so-and-so or are you going to worship Jesus? You know, we're free to come here, we're free to go home. But you know what? If you start listening to the news and start watching what's going on, it's not that way. And she writes a letter here, it says, Sometimes later I had a conversation with a local representative of the Varsity Christian Fellowship, Now, that's a college campus Christian crusade type organization which helps organize Christian clubs on colleges and university campuses. I was talking to the leader there about the importance of speaking out on moral issues when she said something I've heard a thousand times. She says, Janet, we don't get involved in social issues. Our focus is on evangelism. I agreed that evangelism is the most important thing, but I made a prediction. I hope I'm wrong, I told her, but I don't think I am. I predict that if you don't get involved with the issues of our culture, you will lose your right to evangelize. Lose your right to evangelize. Less than a year later, Tufts University told InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that they were not permitted to meet on campus because they wouldn't allow homosexuals on their board. Oh, by the way, pro-abortion clubs don't let pro-lifers on their boards either but they get to stay on campus putting your faith to action we work very hard to present a sensitive positive christianity to seekers who don't like hearing the stuff about like obedience and a place called hell all we need is love this is a song all we need is love has replaced onward christian soldiers love is critical but of course so is truth There's people out there that are saying we just all that's important is love, 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 love. But there's truth out there. And you can love somebody and love them to hell. You can love your children and love them to hell. I can buy anything I want to my kids and show human love. And that car could go out and kill them. There's more to Christianity than just love. There's more to Christianity than just morality. And it's the truth of the Scriptures. I'm going to close with... An encouragement to our ministry because it's time that we move forward. Okay? It's time that we move forward. We allow our hurts to be given over to Jesus. We allow those that are not with us to be giving over to Jesus. And I tell you what, He's going to do a lot better than you and I. Okay? Do you realize He loves you and I more than we love anybody? He loves you and I more than My wife loves me. I mean, sometimes I don't think we understand that. And we are saying, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? I trust the God that I love is not going to let any of his children go by the wayside. I pray for my children every day that, Lord, put a hedge of protection about them and don't let the enemy take them out, but let them come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that, and I teach this on the telephone. I talk with people. That are, their children are all in trouble, all messed up. And I says the only thing we can do, the best we can do, we can love them. You know, that can mean a lot to different people. But the best thing we can do is pray that prayer. Lord, put a hedge of protection about my son, about my daughter. Do not let the enemy take them out, but let them come to know you as their Lord and Savior. That is a will of Jesus Christ. You can pray that prayer over and over again but you can also believe in that now they're only going to come to the truth by listening to the word of god that's agreed too right so someone has to teach them the word of god but thankfully in america it's hard i believe for anyone here not to have heard of jesus and the love that he has so it's important that when you pray that prayer that you follow through with it that when you're with your children You speak the truth to them about the love of Jesus. And it's proved to teach them about obedience to the word. That's very important as well. Because God says if you're not obedient, you know there's curses and punishments that come if you're not obedient children. And he who honors his father and mother, there's a blessing that goes with that. That's the first one of the commandments that has a blessing. Honor thy father and thy mother. And if I see children who are not honoring their father and mother that are old enough to understand... I have a question. I says you're playing with fire. Because it says, honor your father and mother. Does that mean that your father and mother does everything correct and properly? And if you're a perfect parent in here, raise your hands. (laughs) You know, because we aren't. But we're ready to move ahead. We've got a great year coming. This church is not going to be empty like this forever. That's provided we that you and I do the work of the Lord and start reaching out to this community which is one of our goals as we remember the vision that we have for WMI is the same the vision for Christ Worship Center is to reach out to that world to bring them the message of warning that there is a hell, there is a heaven, there is a judgment day coming and we need to be right with the Lord. Once again, we can still pray that prayer, but there does take action on our part as well. When David Wilkerson wrote that letter, That we read in the first part. He also had a newsletter with it called, I Have Labored in Vain. And I tell you, ministers who have labored in vain, after a while say, I give up. You know, what I'm trying to accomplish in the hearts of these people is not happening. And that enemy is just tearing us apart. I got to say it again. We are under spiritual attack. Don't get me wrong, and that's why you're here. If you don't want this spiritual attack, you can go someplace else. I can tell you churches to go to, and you don't have to worry about it. The enemy will let you alone. I'll guarantee it. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to reach out to the lost. So it, he says in here, The time has come for you to abound in your labors. And what the Lord is telling us essentially is forget all of the past failures and hurts that's happened, leave it behind. Leave it behind. It's time to get back to work, okay? It's time to get back doing the job that God has called us to do, to reach out and touch, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal those that have been wounded, to heal the sick, to lay hands. God said he gave us the authority to go out and lay hands uh, before. Jamie comes and says her stomach was bothering me. Of course, she's had stomach problems in the family. So she came up. She's faithful. Jamie was now here. Jamie did her job. Okay, folks, get this. Jamie did her job. She came to me and said, "Hey, we need to pray. You need to pray, looking to me as an elder or a pastor or a leader, whatever the case may be, and they You need to go and pray for because her stomach's up." So I went and prayed for her, and I said, "Now, when you come to church, I want you to get up in front. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to praise the Lord, and while you're praising the Lord." will be healed she's been healed of her stomach problems just a little thing but there's a principle here we have been given the authority to lay hands on people and pray for them and see them healed not just the pastors not just the prophet but you have been given that authority if you're willing to believe it but you have to be obedient and do it does it mean that everybody you lay your hands on is going to be healed Now, that's not the promise. The promise was, lay hands upon them. You do what God's called you to do. And this is what I appreciate about Pastor Hanson so much. I remember when I first started working with him. He said, E.J., when you get to heaven, the Lord's not going to ask you, how many people did you lay hands on that got healed? How many people did you lead to the Lord? The Lord's going to ask you one thing, because he says, and that question is, were you faithful to do What I called you to do. Because who does the healing? Who does the healing? Who leads people to the Lord? Who saves them? God does it. I remember this old evangelist. And he led many, many, many people led to the Lord. He said, you know, I never led one people to the Lord unless I prayed for that person before I met them. And said, Holy Spirit, go before me. Open up their heart and let me talk to them. Important principle. Before we talk to people, go before the Lord and say, Lord, go before me. Now, you have to go before that person and talk to them. The prayer is not going to do it. Like Pastor Hans says, you know, if we could just pray for people, I could stay at home. It'd be great. I wouldn't have to go to the nations and give the warning out. That's very true. You just can't pray for them. You have to put it into action. Okay, it's time to get back to work. I like that. Nothing has been in vain, okay? Nothing that's happening has been in vain. We don't believe in a God that works in vanity, okay? There's a reason and a purpose. Yes, the flesh gets in the way. Hey, it gets in my way. (laughs) I'm sure it gets in your way. Maybe not as much. But it has not been for a purpose. Remember we talked about this ministry and our vision to go out and warn the nations, to bring the gospel. If we are not able to heal within ourselves and go through the struggles, how can we help other people if they've never gone through? Jesus Christ had to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross, but he had to do it. The victory came. We have to go to the cross. We have to go through persecutions. We have to go through troubles there's nothing wrong with that because unless we allow it to destroy us and we stop doing the work of the Lord now the victory is the enemies that we do not want so it's time to get back to work nothing has been in vain there is much more coming to you so stop moping and start to rejoice stop moping and start to rejoice stop forgetting about me myself and I and my feelings your feelings will destroy you I'll guarantee it I mean it's sometimes feelings and emotional nice I'm a married man I mean I love feelings for my wife I love getting emotional we won't go any farther than that before I get in trouble so there's good things and feelings and emotions don't get me wrong but you have to understand where your feelings and emotions are coming from and there's some of them that lead you astray Remember, I, that meaning Lord, haven't bypassed you and I haven't bypassed them. Okay? God has not bypassed them. He has not bypassed you. I'm going to do more abundantly than you can think or ask. Now, how many want to accept that? Okay? How many believe that? And if you believe that, we are going forward And we're not going to allow the enemy to stop us. We're not going to allow the powers and principalities of this world to stop us. And we're not going to allow the feelings to override the scriptures. The sword of the spirit. Okay? So, that's my encouragement to you. That there is a beautiful future ahead. As we get before the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Because when does your victories come the best? is when you can no longer do it yourself. I have heard over the past few months, not that I haven't heard over the past few years, I've heard it too, I'm at wit's end. I don't know. It's a serious situation. What can I do? I don't know. That's when the Lord is putting you where he wants you. He's putting yourself on the altar and say, hey, give it to me, I will handle it, and I will show you what to do. The scripture says, you know, in the end days, when you go before the governors and rulers, that the Lord will give you the words to say. That's a promise of the Lord. I think it applies to us today that as we get to a point where we don't know what to do or what to say, Lord, I'm at wit's end. Help me because I love and I want to love. But I want to do it the way you want me to do it. Believe in his promises. Okay? They're there for a reason. They're there for a reason. So the day before you leave, come and spend some time at the altar just saying, Lord, I know what's happening is of you because you're testing me. I know that the enemy is trying to destroy me and destroy us. But show me, Lord, where can I be the catalyst to be able to restore and to be able to go out into this community of Stanwood and the nation as well And be your spokesman at all cost. At all cost. Come forward, spend some time with the Lord. And understand that there is a victory. And the victory can be ours if, if we allow it to be. Or we can mope and groan and complain. Or we can be victorious. It's our choice. It's your choice
0: now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott?
3: Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training. And if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount.
4: So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment, according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360629 5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too okay so one more time 3606295248 thank you and god bless